0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Jabroni Hour podcast. My name is Matthew Goffin your host, and today we have more bowl games coming up on Saturday. So let's get straight into it. Um, going with the first game, Duke versus Troy. This one is going to be an interesting one. So Troy comes in at seven and a half point favorites. Finished eleven and two, and finished first in the Sun Belt West, uh, and won the Sun Belt Championship over App State. Duke finished seven and five, eighth in the ACC. But we got some big, big opt outs for uh Duke, starting with Jordan Waters, their leading running back on the year. Uh, Waters rushed for seven hundred and fifty-three yards and twelve touchdowns, a five point three average. That's a big loss. Their uh primary uh producer of offense really. Uh and then uh touchdowns as well. Now they're also gonna be losing their quarterback Riley Leonard. Um who hasn't been playing a whole lot as of late, but still a loss. Um, And then a couple other pieces as well. And then uh, Jaquez Moore, who's the backup running back, rushed for 600 yards and six touchdowns, a 5.9 average. Um, He put his name in the portal and then opted out, so his status is really up in the air. And they also lost their head coach to Texas A&M. So first game for the new coach is going to be um, this bowl game here and I think that's a lot of negatives for Duke and Troy is a really good football team and looking at Troy's opt-outs no one really stands out um, Troy's offense is run by Kamani Vidal who rushed for 1,582 yards and 14 touchdowns and Duke is a team that allows the 113th most uh, rushing yards uh, in college football. So I think it's a good matchup for Vidal. I think overall, just Troy, is their game to lose. Um, and, and Duke has been struggling. And with all the opt-outs and new coach, I just think that Troy is just in a prime position to take down Duke here in the Birmingham Bowl. Moving on to the Utah versus Northwestern game in the Las Vegas Bowl. Uh, this is an interesting one. So Utah finished 8-4, 5th in the Pac-12, and Northwestern finished 7 and five, second in the Big 10 West. But there's a lot of news to cover here, especially on the Utah side. So Utah is going to be quarterbacked by Bryson Barnes. That has been confirmed. Even though he did enter the transfer portal, he is set to start against Northwestern. So that's a big piece of news. Um... Utah um, if they didn't have him Nate Johnson also entered the transfer portal which would leave them uh, with a new quarterback that hasn't played at all this year but big injury news um, with Devon Vele uh, their top receiver 593 yards and 3 touchdowns on the year he's doubtful to play and then um, Mikey Matthews 261 yards on the year was 3rd on the team in receiving has also entered the transfer portal. So where does that leave Utah? Well, it still leaves them with a dynamic run game um, that was 48th in yards per game at 186.3 against a Northwestern run defense that ranks 156th and allows 159.5 yards per game. Jaquindon Jackson will be available. Same with Jalen Glover. Uh, and then everyone's favorite two way player, um, Sioni Vaki, who is a safety, running back, quarterback, receiver, really a do it all type player for Utah. Um, so we'll see what they do there. Um, but it's a good matchup, at least offensively, for Utah. Moving on to the Northwestern side, there's no notable opt outs. Um, and Northwestern still carrying Ben Bryant and Cam Porter as their two main offensive weapons. Um, And then also they're going to be getting some help from uh, Cam Johnson and Bryce Kurtz, their top two pass-catching threats. Northwestern will have to have a stellar game offensively because Utah allows just 331 yards per game, which is 58th in all of FBS. Uh, and just 19.8 points per game. They also allow a third-down percentage of 29.3. So how does this stack up against Northwestern? Well, Northwestern doesn't really gain too many yards. They gain the 206th most yards in all of FBS with 328.3 per game. It's a balanced attack 200 passing 105 rushing. They allow 23 points per game, and the only thing they really excel at offensively is third-down percentage, where it's 41.1%, which is 74th. Uh, which isn't excelling, but it's it's kind of the best that they uh, can, uh, the best that they have. In terms of defense, it's going to be a struggle for Northwestern to stop that Utah run game. That's what Utah is going to go to. That's their bread and butter, uh, and Northwestern's run D is going to be tested. However, their pass D is 71st in all of FBS with 192 yards per game. That stacks up well against a poor Utah passing attack that just gains about 174 yards per game. So if Northwestern's able to uh, limit the deep plays through the air, they can stack more players in the box to stop that run. Um, interesting th- things to note is Northwestern's coming off of a hot streak. They've won three straight games including Wisconsin, Purdue, and Illinois. And then Utah is coming off of a two, dropping two of their last three games to Washington and Arizona and then squeaking out a six-point win versus Colorado so they haven't been up to par as what they were near the beginning of the year and that Colorado game they played without Bryson Barnes who I like I said earlier is expected to start the game even though he is entering the transfer portal um, which I still don't really understand why he's doing that but that is what they have decided so I think Northwestern needs to get aggressive um, and and try to stop the run or else that's going to end up being like a, a 13-7 game where Utah possesses the ball for 40-plus minutes and just runs it down Northwestern's throat over and over again. So six-point favorites for Utah. We'll see how they do. Moving into the Wednesday slate, we have Texas A&M and Oklahoma State. This should be one of the best ones of the week. Texas a comes in at two-point favorites, and they have a load. Their injury report is stacked up. So Max Johnson has entered the transfer portal. He will not play. Connor Wyman, uh, he's out for the year with that, that broken leg. So they will start Jalen Henderson at quarterback, um, and he's been good when he's played. Um, he started for 704 yards, six touchdowns, two picks, and rushed for 104 yards and two touchdowns. So he's no stranger uh, to playing, but... It is going to be a big game uh, for him. They are going to be missing some receiver threats. Um, So first of all, Iannis Smith, who had 816 yards from scrimmage and a pair of touchdowns. He's out with a finger injury. Jake Johnson, Max Johnson's brother, who caught four touchdowns on the year. He's out. He's going to the transfer portal. Evan Stewart, 514 yards. He was their second-leading receiver and four touchdowns. He's gone to the transfer portal. Uh, So that is a lot of their offense. Basically, that leaves the rushing game. Amar Daniels, Le'Veon Moss, Ruben Owens, uh, and then Noah Thomas and Jedi Walker kind of in charge of the pass-catching duties. As for Oklahoma State, they are lucky. They have no big impact transfers. They have three receivers transferring away, but none of them made all that much of an impact because they do have those two top guys that kind of command the most amount of targets. Jaden Nixon, Blaine Green, and Jaden Bray, the three transfers the biggest one of those being jaden bray 382 yards on the year blaine green 102 yards so it's not like insignificant these transfers but they're not as big as texas a&m so looking into the stats texas a&m's offense should have a field day against oklahoma state and the reason is because oklahoma state can't stop anyone 244th ranked in total yards allowed that's 267.5 passing yards, It's 174 rushing yards, that's 29 points per game. And that's allowing a 42.2% uh, conversion rate on third down. Texas A&M's offense, 262 passing yards per game, that's 60th. 141 rushing yards, that's 160th. So really what they're going to have to do is focus on that run game, and their run game hasn't been where they found success this year. But they averaged 34.2 points per game, which is 24th in FBS, and they should do a lot of scoring in this game. 44% conversion rate on third down should also help a lot. Oklahoma State's going to lean on their star, Ollie Gordon. 16-14 is the rushing total, 20 rushing touchdowns, almost 2,000 yards from scrimmage and 21 total touchdowns. That's the main source of offense for Oak State, but they're going into stingy Texas A&M defense that allows just 107 yards per game on the ground, which is 36 in FBS. So how does Oklahoma State win? Well, they keep the football clean. Allen Bowman on the year, 13 touchdowns against 12 interceptions. He needs to keep the football with Oklahoma State. They need to get to short uh, third downs and second downs because Texas A&M allows just a 30% conversion rate which is 52nd so they need to get good quality runs from ollie gordon on the early downs and they need to get the ball to their playmakers brendan presley and rashad owens on the outside and let them make some moves because texas a&m's defense is going to be a hard one to crack and their offense should do pretty good against oklahoma state so i'm thinking right now looking through the stats that texas a&m should win this game uh, i think it should be pretty much a two touchdown game 35 21 potentially score Texas AM and comes in the game at two point favorites I do think they win in the Texas poll moving on to one of the best games on the slate it's going to be NC State and Kansas State and this one should be interesting because of the opt-outs and it's mainly going to be on the K-State side K-State's going to be losing their quarterback Will Howard and they're also going to be losing their tight end Ben Sinat. Sinat 49 catches 676 yards and six touchdowns on the year And then Will Howard threw for 2,643 yards, 24 touchdowns against 10 INTs. So, Kansas State will have to lean on freshman Avery Johnson, who threw for 300 yards and three touchdowns on his 35 attempts and is also a big-time runner. Uh, He rushed 45 times for 225 yards and six touchdowns on the year. He was used kind of in like a wildcat, Taysom Hill-type role, and he actually played really well. So we'll see him as a full-time quarterback In this bowl game, Kansas State comes in at two and a half point favorites and they have the dominant offense and the worst defense. And NC State obviously has the flip of that. NC State 360 yards per game is 159 to Kansas State's 456. Kansas State gets 246 yards through the air and 200 on the ground. I imagine it'll be more of a ground attack for Kansas State. But the way to beat NC State is through the air. So it's going to be kind of a conflict of interest there because NC State allows 219 passing yards, which is 132 ranked, but they rank 34th in rushing yards, allowed at 105. So how is Kansas State going to do without Will Howard, without him being able to throw the ball, stretch the field, and then your most reliable pass catcher, Ben Sinat, not being there either? Well, they're going to have to lean on... Phillip Brooks, who led the team in receiving, uh, if you you count out, Ben Sinnott, he had 622 yards and six touchdowns, and he'll be the main threat on the outside for Kansas State. Now, for NC State, they're on a five-game win streak compared to Kansas State's one-game losing streak, so they have the momentum going into this game, and their opt-outs are a lot less significant than Kansas State. They're losing a couple of their running backs. NC State likes to spread the ball around. They had... Five players rush for over 250 yards, including their quarterback Brendan Armstrong, who rushed for 544 and six touchdowns. So it's an interesting balanced attack, and their main throw on the outside is Kevin Concepcion. He had 10, uh, 1,064 yards and 10 touchdowns from scrimmage, and then Brendan Armstrong throwing the football 16, 21, and 11 touchdowns. He'll be the quarterback for NC State. Now NC State. One of the best defensive players in all of college football, Peyton Wilson, uh, I think will be playing in this game. He had 138 tackles, 17 and a half for loss, six sacks, three picks, a touchdown and six passes defended on the year for NC State. And look at him to help stop that run offensive Kansas State. And we didn't talk about the Kansas State running back. DJ Giddens rushed for over 1,000 yards and nine touchdowns with their backup Ward rushing for 643 and five touchdowns. So that's the main bulk of offense for Kansas State. So NC State, keys to the game. Well, they need to move the football. They they got to find a way to get uh, through that 166th ranked passing defense of Kansas State and string together nice runs against a Kansas State defense that has very much struggled in the back half of the year. Um, Points-wise, Kansas State only allows 21 points per game to NC State's 20, even though there is a 50-yard difference. There's just a one-point difference. So that's something to keep note of. I would say if Kansas State was fully uh, active, that this should be a cakewalk. They have some really nice wins on the year, like Troy, Texas Tech, TCU, Houston, uh, Baylor, Kansas, and then they have just a three-point loss to Texas, and then an eight-point loss to Oklahoma State. That's kind of the big losses on their schedule. NC State, on the other hand, doesn't have too many quality wins. Uh, I would say their best win um, was actually UNC uh, last game where they won 39-20. And then they have a couple other quality wins like Miami, uh, Clemson is a really good one as well but they also have some bad losses like Duke they lost 24 to 3 I would say that's actually the only bad loss Notre Dame 45 24 I was thinking about putting in the bad loss category but that w- was back when Notre Dame actually was looking like a good football team uh, before they kind of fell apart and then they lost 13 to 10 to Louisville that's a heartbreaker um, Most of these games though are quarterbacked by different players. Brandon Armstrong, uh, quarterback for 11 games, and MJ Morris, uh, quarterback for four. So it's kind of hard to determine. And then obviously, Kansas State, all those games are quarterbacked by Will Howard, who will not play. So, Kansas State, one of the best things they do is convert on on third down. NC State, one of the best things they do is stop conversions on third down. Whoever wins those conversions most likely will win the game. Uh, Kansas State needs to keep within short yardage, keep Avery Johnson's leg as an option. Those third and twos, the keepers, the sweeps, that's where they need to stay. They need to stay through and true to their running game, even though NC State has a really good run defense. I feel like it is the recipe for success. Not sure how good Avery Johnson will be in straight dropbacks and throwing the football, but they also do need to get it into philip brooks's hands maybe through screen passes or some quick throws get it out of avery johnson's hands quick or get him rolling out to his comfortable side and throwing passes down the field all in all i do trust k-state in this game i tend to trust the big 12 uh over the acc so give me kansas state moving on to the final game of our slate it's the alamo bowl it's Arizona and Oklahoma. Arizona 9-3. and three, Finished 3rd in the Pac-12 with Oklahoma going 10-2, and two, finishing 3rd in the Big 12. I'm going to throw it out there. I don't think this is really going to be a game. And if you've been living under a rock, Dylan Gabriel has transferred. Uh, he's out of Oklahoma. That's really all I need to say. They're losing their quarterback who accounted for Basically, all of their touchdowns, 30 through the air, another 12 on the ground, 42 total touchdowns for Dylan Gabriel. He's out of there, um, and he's not playing this game. So that's leaving a lot of pressure on Jackson Arnold, who in his career is 18-24 for uh, 202 yards and two touchdowns. He's a freshman, and you're going to have to rely on him to battle the number 14 team in the country that scores 34.3 points per game, which is 22nd in FBS. So we're not going to care about Oklahoma's offensive stats too much because Dylan Gabriel will be not playing in this game, obviously. That accounts for a lot of their yards and touchdowns. One thing I'll bring up is the 180 rushing yards per game for Oklahoma. They're going to have to rely on their rushing game, Gavin Sawchuck, Tywee Walker. um, Those are going to have to be the guys to make moves. Um, And actually, Howie Walker's in the transfer portal. So it's going to be saw Chuck show. 610 yards, 5.8 average, 8 touchdowns on the year. Um, not necessarily a bad year. Didn't get m- most usage um, as, like, other top running backs. So Arizona, 24th in yards with 463.6 per game. That's 305 passing yards, which is 16th. And they're getting a great pass defense to throw against. Oklahoma, 242 passing yards per game, which is 203rd in FBS, and they should have a field day. Uh, One of the most surprising players in college football, Noah uh, Fafita, I believe is how you say it, the redshirt sophomore, threw for 2,500 yards, 23 touchdowns against five picks, and let Arizona do a really nice record after Jordan DeLora got injured. But Arizona's not going to be missing... A whole lot Jonah Coleman is probable that's the running back. Rushed for 851 yards, 5 touchdowns, over 1,100 scrimmage yards, uh, 7.8 yards per touch. Really good player, another really nice weapon. Uh, Their outside weapons, McMillan, 1242 and 10 touchdowns, and then Cowling, 700 yards and 11 touchdowns. Those are the guys who are going to get the ball, and they should have a field day against those Oklahoma corners. Coleman should also do well, uh, 150 yards allowed per game for Oklahoma on the ground. And they also allow 22 points per game which is 168th against an Arizona team that scores 34 points per game. Now, Oklahoma actually excels in third down conversion rate allowed, it's just 30%. But Arizona does convert a crazy 50% of their third downs. So, Arizona all day uh throwing on this Oklahoma D, mixing in some Coleman runs. They should score big in this one. Um, and Arizona really has has everything to lose in this game. They should be the Alamo Bowl winners. Thank you all for listening into this podcast. If you enjoyed, uh, we got some coming out every week. And uh, you can go ahead and check out the previous podcasts if you want to learn more about football. Um, this has been Matthew Coughlin from the Jabroni R signing off for now. And I'll see you next time.